this series called Dreamers. Are you guys getting a lot out of it? Yeah? Um, I know there's been a lot that I've personally gotten out of it, and I want to share just a couple of those things with you. Um, first, Pastor Matt had said that our dreams are reserved for us. We never have to compete for our dreams. And I know there's been times in my life where I feel like I have to compete with someone else. And that's just so encouraging to know that there is no one that's ever going to step into the dream that God has for you. You don't have to live up to someone else's expectation, that it is reserved for you. And so you can walk boldly in that. Um, And the other thing he said that really challenged me was to occupy that space. And that was just something that I have timidly walked into a lot of the things that God has for me at times. And, And that's not the way that God wants us to walk into those things. He wants us to do it with boldness, not in our own ability, but knowing that he's got us and that he's going to lead us into those things and provide everything that we need. And so I hope that you've been encouraged by that and that you have taken more bold steps into the dreams that God has for you. Um, And the last thing that really spoke to me is that when he said that we're tasked to know the difference between our own dreams and the God-given dreams that he has for us. And that's what this message is about today, what is on my heart, is to help us to determine what are, what are our own dreams? How do we know the difference between our own dreams and the dreams that God has for us? Sometimes it's easy. You know, for example, when I was coming out of high school, I was trying to figure out what God had for me and what he wanted to do for my life. I wasn't really seeking him for it. Um, so I did what I would say probably a lot of us do. Um, what is the easiest thing that'll make the most amount of money? And I'm going to do that. So my stepdad is in the dental world, and so I said, well, I could probably get an easy job as a hygienist because I'm never going to go to medical school. That's way too much schooling. Um, So I'm going to be a hygienist, and I set up my whole first year of college and got all my classes um, in line, and about halfway through my anatomy and physiology class, uh my teacher came in with this large jar, and in the jar was a human brain and a spinal cord, and um, I was like, oh my gosh, what is he going to do with that thing? And when he pulled it out and put it in the row and said, pass it down and examine it, I realized that was not the career path that I was supposed to go into, um, because you work on cadavers and all these things, and if I can't touch a brain, then I certainly can't do all of that. Um, So there are things that are easy to tell that are not um, God's dreams for us, but there are other things that are a little harder. And I remember when I was in my early 20s, I was sitting in a church service, and there was a pastor that came in, and he was speaking about how so much of Africa didn't have clean drinking water. And my heart was breaking for these people who didn't have something that I so often wasted. And I was sitting there thinking, I've got to do something, so I'm going to go to Africa, and I am going to stay there until there is no place on that continent that doesn't have water. And that's a good dream, right? except for I wasn't called to do it. Um, Thankfully, I am called to live here in America. Um, But God did do something through that in me. And since then, you know, we've raised money as a church. We've planted wells. There are a lot of people that have benefited from what God started that day. But that dream was a little harder for me to see the difference between was it my own dream or was it God's dream? But we want to walk into the things that God's going to open the right doors. Like Pastor Matt was talking about where we're going as a church. We want to be exactly where God wants us. Because there's a lot of fruit that can maybe come out of some good dreams that we walk into. But there is so much more fruit that can come out of the dreams that God has for us. Amen. In Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. 
And so we want to be a people that doesn't look around and say, what looks good to us? But we want to align ourselves with God, and so he will open the doors and he will make our path straight. Amen? Amen. So before we get into the message, can I ask you guys to stand with me? I want to pray, and I want to do this all together. So if you bow your heads. Dear Father God, we just welcome you in this house today. Lord, we ask that you would speak. We want to hear from you. We don't want to lean on our own understanding. We don't, we don't want what we can see, God. We want what you can see. And so, God, I ask that you would open our hearts to be able to hear you, open our ears and our eyes to be able to receive from you today. Lord God, we lay down our plans at your feet. And Lord God, we ask that you would reveal your plans for us today. We welcome you, Lord Jesus. Church, just welcome Jesus. Say, we welcome you, Jesus. We welcome you, Jesus. In your holy name, amen. Amen. So the title of the message today is Good Dreams versus God Dreams. And what I want to do is I want to take you to three different people in the Bible, and I want to just go through their story. You know them all. I'm sure you know their story, but I think there's things that we can learn to help us determine the difference between our own dreams and between the dreams that God has for us. And first, I want to talk about Moses. Many of you know that Moses was raised in um, the Egyptian world. He was, you know, sent into the river by his mother, rescued by Pharaoh's daughter, and that's where he was raised, was in the Egyptian culture. And the dream that God had for Moses was birthed somewhere in that time of him living there when he looked out and he saw the oppression of his people. And we know that he saw the Egyptians beating um, one of the Hebrew people, and he went out and he killed the Egyptian. And he took kind of matters into his own hands. And in the effect of that, the next day was when he went and he talked to two of his fellow Hebrews, and they were afraid of him and afraid of what he did. And that sent him into Midian and into the wilderness there for God to kind of refine things in him. And then we get to this moment where he's leading the people out of Egypt, and he, all these things are happening. God's parting the Red Sea. He's turning water into blood, like all these things that God's doing. And then the people are in the wilderness, and they're complaining. That always, that always is like, wow. Like if I saw all those things, I would think that I would never complain again, that I would trust God with everything. But, but that's not true, because um, I know in times in my life that hasn't been the case. But these people, they're complaining because they're thirsty, and um, Moses goes to God, and he's like, what am I going to do with these people? They're thirsty, and they need water. And so if we go to Exodus 17, verse 6, God's speaking to Moses, and he says, I'll stand before you on the rock of Mount Sinai, strike the rock, and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock, as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. Problem solved. People have water, right? Well, we go a couple years down the road, and once again, the Israelites are, we don't have water again. We're complaining, and they were going to kill Moses. And so Moses is frustrated, and he goes back to God, and he's like, oh my goodness, God, what am I going to do? So if we jump to Numbers 20, starting in verse 7, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, You and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community as the people watch. Speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told, and he took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels, Moses shouted. 
We must bring you water from, or must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock were filled. Did you notice something in that part of the story? Moses didn't do what he was told in that part of the story. Moses did what was good in his own eyes. He did what he had done before. And rather than speaking to the rock like God told him, he struck the rock like he had did before. And this is what God said to him. He said, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land that I am giving them. God was saying is you didn't, you didn't glorify me. You had this moment to glorify me to these people and rather you did what looks good in your own eyes. See, the God-given dreams that he gives us are dreams that are gonna glorify him and thank goodness for it because the weight of those people on Moses' shoulders as they came to him to see him as their savior, as they came to him to see him as their answer, it always weighed on Moses. We see these times often where he's like, God, what am I going to do with these people? The weight is too heavy for me. The dreams that God is calling you into, they're too heavy for you to be the center of attention. They're too heavy for you to be the main role in that story. God has to be the one who people are looking to for that to be all that it is called to be. So when you're looking to see, is this a God dream or is this my own dream? Ask, who does it glorify? because God has to be the center of our story. The next person I wanna bring you to is King David. King David had a dream to become king. He was young when he was anointed to become king, and the story's interesting, because Samuel comes out, he goes through this whole thing, he anoints King David as king, and then he says, go back to shepherding the sheep. Man, that would be crazy, and oftentimes that happens for us too, where God speaks something to our soul, and then life seems to go back to normal. Maybe you get a prophetic word and then everything kinds of go, goes back to the way it always was. And sometimes we get impatient in the waiting. But David didn't. He waited um, for God to continue to bring it to pass. He learned a lot of things by killing the lion with his own hands and killing the bear with his own hands. He had that moment with Goliath, right, where the entire army wouldn't go and stand and fight this guy. But David, as a boy, said, I will because I know who my God is. And God was doing a work in David. He waited years, and then he came to this moment in 1 Samuel chapter 26. King Saul had been pursuing David's life. Um, He was hiding in, in caves and all around, and he had people that were encouraging him, just take the throne. You're anointed to be king, just do it. And so in chapter 26, verse seven, it said, so David and Abishai came to the people by night. And there Saul lay sleeping within the camp, with his spear stuck in the ground by his head, and Abner and the people lay all around him. Then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now therefore, please, let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. But David said to Abishai, do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, The Lord shall strike him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall go out to the battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But please, take now the spear and the jug of water that are by his head, and let us go. So David took the spear and the jug of water by Saul's head, and they got away, 
No man saw or knew it or awoke, for they were all asleep because a deep sleep had fallen from the Lord on them. Can you imagine this moment? You'd waited years for something that God had spoke to you. You've been waiting and God's been doing these things. And and here's this moment where the people around you are saying, God's opened the door, seize it. Seize that dream that God put in your heart. I know I'd be tempted to take it. I mean, David seemed like he just handled this with no big deal, but I know if it were me, I would be like, yeah, like you can kill him and I'll just step into my dream. I'm gonna step right in to the thing that God spoke. But, but David knew better. And David knew that a dream that was truly a God-sized dream requires God to bring it to pass. David was called to be a king, but not just any king. He was called to be a king that was gonna be remembered for generations. He was called to be a king that was going to point to Christ in so many different ways all throughout his life. There's a whole list of kings in the Bible. How many names do you remember? Not many, but everybody knows King David. Even outside of the church, people know King David, and that was God's dream for King David. But I have to wonder if on that day, if he would have taken matters into his own hands, would he just be another name in the list? Maybe so. But God-sized dreams require God to bring it to pass. Later, we see in David's life, if we go to 2 Samuel, that he's facing another moment where he's looking outmatched. And he's facing the Philistines, and the army of the Philistines is so much bigger than David and his his group. They were outnumbered. This was such a strong army that was taking over lands. And here he is facing this Philistine army. And it says in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming, so he went into the stronghold. The Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Rethem. So David asked the Lord, should I go out to fight these Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And the Lord replied to David, yes, go ahead and I will certainly hand them over to you. So David went to Baal-perazim and defeated the Philistines there. And the Lord did it, David exclaimed. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So he named the place Baal-perazim, which means the Lord burst through. The Philistines had abandoned their idols there, and so David and his men confiscated them. But after a while, the Philistines returned, and Agid spread out across the valley of Rephim. And again, David asked the Lord what to do. Do not attack them straight on, the Lord replied. Instead, circle around behind and attack them near the poplar trees. When you hear the sound like marching feet in the tops of the poplar trees, be on alert. That will be the signal that the Lord is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. So David did what the Lord commanded, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibbon to Gezer. Here we see David had learned. He had learned, when I'm going to do something for God, I need God to move before me. I need God to bring it to pass. So unlike Moses, David didn't repeat the same thing that he once heard. David went back to God every step of the way to say, God, what do you want to do here? God, what do you want to do next? God, how do you want to defeat this Philistine army this time? And as you notice, God is always doing something new, right? God always has a way, and it rarely looks like what you once went through. David had learned that lesson, and so he was able to defeat the Philistine army and surprise them, and God went before them and brought it to pass. 
There were many times that we see in the Bible that the armies of God didn't even have to fight because God would go before them. But it required them going and seeking the Lord every step of the way. What are the dreams that God has for you? Are they dreams that you can do on your own? Or do they require God to bring them to pass? Because if you can do them in your own strength and you can see the whole picture and you can do it without God, it's not a God-given dream. But if you're looking at that dream and you're saying, man, on my own, I can't do this. On my own, there is no way. God has to step in, then maybe it really is a God-given dream. The next person that I want to bring you to is Joseph. You can't have a story of dreamers or a series of dreamers without talking about Joseph the dreamer, right? Joseph's story spans through Genesis from 37 all the way into 50, but the story of Joseph begins with Joseph had a dream. And I was, I was looking that up, that Hebrew word for had a dream means to bind firmly. Joseph's dream held him tightly. It didn't let him go throughout a lot of trials in his life. We know that as a boy, he was given those dreams. Um, he told them to his brothers that hated him, and they rebuked him and chastised him. And then he was so bound to that dream that he went and he told it to him again. And then that's when they hated him all the more, and they wound up selling him into slavery. And I have to wonder that as he's in that carriage going into slavery, into this land that he had never been with people that he probably didn't understand, sold by the people that were supposed to protect him, did he wonder, wait, what's going on? What, what am I doing here? I thought God said. Have you been in that place where you felt like God gave you a dream and then you're like, whoa, this doesn't look anything like what I thought God said? I've been there. But those dreams that burn within, that even in those moments, that there's still that flicker of a dream that keeps moving me toward what God has for me. God-given dreams, they bind you to it. They won't let you go. What are the things that God's spoken to you that maybe you've even tried to run away from, but yet you just can't seem to let go of it? I remember when I was a little girl, I used to um, spend a lot of time teaching imaginary people. <laughs> it, was, it was probably because I liked to boss people around a whole lot, but I called it teaching. Um, and so I would have these visions of imaginary people coming in, and I taught them all kinds of things. Like, I was a really good teacher. I taught people about Jesus. I taught people how to do math. I taught people how to serve me. I mean, lots of things <laughs> I, I taught them to do, and they were very good students. Um, but that's something that even as I was looking into hygiene school and I was looking to do all these other things, there was something in my heart that always drew me back to wanting to teach people. And it's something that I enjoy. There's a passion in my heart for teaching people all kinds of different things. And that's probably part of the reason why I homeschool. I enjoy doing it on most days. Um, that's why I love counseling. That's why I love doing what I do now. And all of it is burst out of this thing that God has bound me to, is teaching people in various ways and in various places. God puts dreams in the heart of us. And he continues to bring us back to that place if we will continue to seek him. God's dreams are bigger than you. And they're bigger than your ability. God-given dreams, they're, they're dreams that, that change cities. They change nations. They, they change generations. They change family 
lineage. They, they do so much more than what we can even see in this lifetime. And the heart of this series is to stir those dreams up in you and, and to get you to start dreaming again because the world continues to try to push those dreams down. And that's because the enemy knows that if you actually walk in your God-given dream, that he's going to lose ground. He's going to lose territory. That he's going to lose the grip on people, maybe on your family. But if we will walk in those things, then God will bring it to pass. As I was thinking about dreaming and and, and the things that we can look to to see, is it a God-given dream or is it not a God-given dream? The thing that kept coming up in me is God's dream for us is to be close to his heart. And so there's a lot of different tips that we can give you to help determine the difference between our own dreams and between God-given dreams. But I think the biggest thing to look at is, does the dream in your heart draw you closer to God? Does it bring you closer to him? Does Does it help you to walk more in holiness? Does it help you to see more of who he is? Because God will never give you a dream that causes you to separate from him. God will always bring you closer to his heart. And we may label dreams as big and small. And we may say someone has a great dream if they're in the public eye. But my dream of being a mom or something different, like that's not as significant. But that's not true because God measures a dream by how much it draws you close to him. He paid the highest price to draw you close to him. He would never give you a dream that compromised that. So when you're weighing out the dreams that he's given you, measure it first by that. Measure it first by, am I drawing closer to God? Is it providing me more time to be with him? Because if we will go after God first, if we will draw close to him first, all these other things, they all fall into place. All of our fears all of our worries, all of our insecurities and the things that we see ourselves as insignificant in, God lines all that up. The story of King David, he, he at one time attacked the people and at another time he just walked behind them and waited for sound in a tree. That's our God. That's the God who we serve. He doesn't need us. He wants us. He doesn't need our ability. He has every ability. And if we will just draw close to his heart, he will make our paths straight, like it says in Proverbs. But he loves us so much that through that big dream, we will change families. We will change cities. There will be generational bondages that are broke off our family because that's the God that we serve. There will be an army that will rise up. Church, we have to be an army that will rise up. There's so much going on in our world today, so much that I don't even know. The hope of the nation is in this church and in the body of Christ and in the churches around our nation, drawing close to God. My heart aches when I hear these things that are going on. And my big dream that I've really been praying on is that the church will recognize who she is. There's going to be a day when we're going to sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb, And as we're talking about like marriage and two becoming one, that's what marriage is. And so there's going to be a day when the bride of Christ is going to become one with Jesus, our groom. In church, if we're not drawing closer to him, 
If we're not individually pursuing him, then how, how, how do we become one with him? That's God's heart for this church. Draw close to me. Draw close to me. Let, let all the other stuff go. I have big plans for you. I have big dreams for you, and you'll never have to fight for it. You'll never have to compete for it. There's no one that can ever rob you of your dream. I have it reserved for you. What I need you to do is draw close to me, says Jesus. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me. And I want to take just a moment. What is God speaking to you? What are the dreams that he's put on your heart? Maybe for some of you, they're, they're distant. You haven't even thought of them for a while. Maybe for some of you, you're walking in them right now and you're trying to navigate through and figure it out. Lay them all at God's feet. Pursue God above anything else. Desire him above all things. He's here. He was here long before we arrived. And he was waiting for you. What is he speaking to you? Dear Father God, we come before you and we ask you to speak to our heart, to speak dreams to us, Lord God, to speak truth to us, that all the lies of the enemy, that they would be broken in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I pray that anything that comes between you and us, that you will remove it. Any desire that we exalt above you, that we glorify above you, Lord God, I pray that you would bring it down in the name of Jesus. Father God, anything that we try to seize in our own hands, that we try to take responsibility for, Lord God, I pray that you would help us to just let go of so that we can allow you to bring it to pass in the right time and in the right moment, Lord God, so that we can walk into everything that you have for us, Lord God. And Father, I pray that those dreams that maybe are just a flicker, that maybe we have, we have not thought of in so long, that you would just breathe on those dreams, Lord God, that you would breathe your life into them, that you would raise them up, Lord God, in our hearts, that you will open doors, that you will provide divine appointments, Lord God, that you will stir those things back up in our hearts again, Lord God. Father, we want you above all things. We give you glory and honor, Lord God. We love you, Jesus. In your holy name, amen. I want to ask you to stand, and I just want to take a moment to worship. Because when we worship, God moves. When we lift up our praise, God speaks. And so just take this time to allow God to really minister to your heart.